0: Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded.
1: Founder Tech
0: Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. When reaching out, sending a deck, or pitching a VC like me. Let's dive in. Welcome to Founder Tech Decoded, Series 2. I'm delighted to be concluding this series with a talk with Anthony Rose, the founder and CEO of C-Legals. More than anyone not I can think of. I think Legals has been pioneering the founder tech space for many years. Um, they took a view very early on that the legal and the financial aspects of launching and running a startup didn't have to be complicated and opaque and attacked it, if that's the right term, with tools and technology that increased the fluidity, the agility, and kind of leveled out asymmetries that are the common features of this founder tech conversation. So it's great to have Anthony on the podcast and to be ex- able to explore with him, I guess, the roots of the thinking and how that's developed and what he thinks, um, where, we, where we might arrive at if we continue to kind of develop these types of tools that are what the founder tech space is all about and what we're focused on in this conversation. So Anthony, real pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, thank you for being here.
1: Dan, thanks for having me. And you've touched on a key passion point for me, this entire space. So I'm looking forward to a rollicking conversation over the next 30 minutes.
0: Well, I don't know if I can guarantee rollicking, but we get hopefully engaging. Um, maybe we start by um, taking a step back. When you first looked at the space that you wanted to launch seedlings into, what was it about the inefficiencies that you saw? And this, I'm going to use the word again, like the kind of these opaque qualities that you thought these don't have to be here, you know, we, we can engineer these out. I'd love to kind of hear that thinking.
1: Sure. So I'm not a, uh, you know, contrary to what many people I think now believe, I'm not a lawyer by background. I'm the tech product guy. I used to head up iPlayer after I left a built-to-startup, sold, sold it, built sold startup sold it, invested in a few, and then met my business partner, Laurent, a genius ex-VC and serial angel investor. And it was really his idea um, saying from the investor side, the inefficiency of uh, fundraising, the time taken to do legals, the mistakes that are made and so on um and i guess one of the fun things is uh when you're an outsider in a space you think about the problem space completely differently and uh in a sense my mission was to think about what what would lawyers do and then do completely the opposite and there's nothing against lawyers but what i realized is that you know a traditional solution to a problem in the space for contracts fundraising and others is you would go to a lawyer and explain the problem that you want to solve and then the the product would be a set of legal documents but what I realized is actually you want to go way upstream from that. The problem that founders have, firstly, is they just don't know what to do. What's the workflow? Where do I start? What's the market terms? Give me some data. Am I the only idiot in the room suggesting this term to my investor? Or I'm an idiot if I don't do it. If my investor wants X, should I you know, give them X? So the the first thing was to redefine completely the problem space and the the problem space starts with the founder uh, to enabling them to see what to do. And that for for me is a, a central part of seed legals, which is. As a platform and and the people around it, we will sell you a set of services to complete your funding round, do Seedfast, do SEIS, do your cap table. But actually, when you look at the content and the place that I personally spend my time, it's way upstream of that, creating content, data and so on to show you uh you know how to get investment ready what valuations might be good how to grow your sales team how to find investors get product market fit and it's actually the set of things those set of things that are most important to a founder and then oh yeah give me some legals to complete my funding round is is incidental it's necessary but it's actually the, the the small piece of the puzzle, not the entire puzzle itself. So put together, I guess, the set of things that I've been thinking about is what might, uh, I think, very much fit what you call founder tech, which is a set of things that a founder needs their life hack to um, go from, I have an idea should I pursue this idea is or should I just ditch it and keep it for my next run out in the park when I may have an idea and ditch it? Or should I get people to follow me on a mission through the desert, get get investors to fund me, get people to give up their day jobs, and then I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders to make it a success? And which pieces do I need to help me on that thinking and which tech or platform pieces do I need to make it efficient? Which is uh, that, you know, going riffing off Reed Hoffman's, uh, you know, first build a utility and then build a network. At Seed Legal's, uh, when we started, there was no mention of machine learning, AI, blockchain, bots. It was just, help people do what they want to do be utility don't get ahead of yourself but with tens of thousands of companies and tens of thousands of investors on the platform how can you reinvent the playing field both to do things that take a forward-looking view on what people could and should be doing and also to change the playing field to give yourself obviously a sort of a market advantage and there uh, I, w- I would joke that in 2018, we showed you how to do a funding round, and in 2019, we showed you how to not do a funding round with agile investment. And I'll get back onto that in a few minutes. So if you can actually fundamentally reinvent what people wanted to do, after you've helped people do what they want to do, then I think that becomes much more profound. And, and, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a few minutes.
0: So if it 's essentially the journey itself is hard let 's assume you have that kind of founder market fit and and, uh, and, and you have the legitimacy um, and the capacity and, and you know you can handle the risk of that journey in in the first place. What seems to be um, not useful fundamentally is that the process of then engaging with being a founder and 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 obviously you immediately arrive with engaging with investors that doesn 't need to be that's complicated that you have to almost reinvent it every time. You, you mentioned the word utility, which I, I love. I love the concept of platforms, particularly behaving as utilities, because it sort of it knocks the ego of out of them. It's, like, it's, it's the way they should just behave consistently every time you come into a room put the lights switch on, the light comes on. It doesn't sort of say, shout, hurrah, I'm just turn the lights on. It You just know that it works. And I think a lot of this in, in the found sex space is about almost imagining things like plumbing and wiring and just reconfiguring it so that the, the difficult bit isn't isn't the utility part and and it sounds like when you started to see you kind of whether you phrased it like that you kind of saw that it was like that doesn't need to be the difficult bit and actually if we can engineer the things that are currently difficult and are currently sort of erratic the fact that we we, we can make it so the founder has a consistent start not well Only starting place, but then a place to continue to engage whilst they navigate the the bit they should be focused on, which is the journey. I mean, that's just a conclusion. I just literally spoke to a founder who said she's spending 20% of her time on the pitch deck. I'm sure who gets the pitch deck. And she said, um, her father's an entrepreneur, and he said, you know, this is a complete waste of your time. She's trying to solve a really, really hard problem um, post-pandemic. And she feels like she's spending you know, all of that inefficiency on, on tweaking a pitch deck rather than... Getting traction around the problem. So, when you when you looked at the space, was there this, this utility idea? Did you kind of carry that through in the product design, given the fact that you are the, the product, the tech person rather than the legal person? Was that was that kind of core the design of, of, of what you set out to create?
1: Uh, it's a fascinating question. Of course, one can always rewrite history in retrospect. <laughs> um, and and uh, but but I think it was a discovery journey because uh, not being in the space, um, just more generically. uh, I see many, many pitch decks and a common mistake, and we'll get onto the pitch deck on on the use case you mentioned in a moment. I think the problem that founders have and myself included is they believe that the problem they have to solve is building stuff. And only later do they realize that the building stuff, yes, it was hard work and so on, but uh, the really difficult problem was having people want the things they built. And then actually, uh, you know, I've now moved to the stage where I'm of the view that, building stuff is the failure to not have to build stuff and have a marketable product without building stuff and so for example whenever i look at a website uh if the website is showing how clever you are we use blockchain to do x or y or z or contract automation i know that it's a pre-revenue early stage company Uh, and if the if that just has a button saying um, you know the fastest way to do x get started here then i know it's a mature company and a perfect example is when you go to booking.com their homepage doesn't go you know we use ai and advanced things and a marketplace to connect you in hotels it just goes where do you want to go today so i think the uh so so on seed legals my epiphany was uh, when we were launching i uh decided to write to Mike Butcher, the editor at TechCrunch, who I somewhat knew. And I dropped him an email saying, Mike, you seed legals is the exact heart of the TechCrunch uh, world. I'm sure your readers would love to know about this new platform for for helping on fundraising. Uh, Can I send you some info? And he wrote back saying, sounds interesting. Send me some info. Do not send me a press release. Did I say don't send it? Whatever you do, do not. The press release is dead. In fact, I've written an article called The Press Release Is Dead. Go Google it. And so you'll see where I'm going with this in a a moment. And um, so I Googled Mike Butcher, The Press Release Is Dead, and I got this article. And I saw there were a bunch of questions. I went, great, I'll get back to you in three days. In fact, it took me about two months to get back to him because you should uh go to mike butcher the press release is dead and the questions really are as a consumer why would i want what you're offering what what problem are you solving no really what problem are you solving how are you different to your competitors why is the timing now so uh, and after going through those you realize, oh my God, the way I'm describing my business, I'm failing on every one of these points. And so after going through this, in fact, I rewrote the web copy three times until I'd completely sort of ditched everything about what I thought we were doing that was clever, the uh, contract automation and document generation, which frankly zero people are interested in, and got to the fastest way to do your funding round or incentivize your team. So. Coming now full circle to the person with their pitch deck. Um, On the one hand, is it a waste of time on the pitch deck? I think the endless time they're putting into their pitch deck, if they are tweaking the fonts and the lifestyle imagery, it may not be the best use of time but actually the most valuable and actually valuable use of time might be that the pitch deck is a perfect place like Mike Butcher's is the press release, uh, the press release is dead, to force you to think through how you can take what you thought was important and put it in a way that is important to others. And it could be important to investors, you want to sell that story to investors, but actually I think the pitch decks that I really like are the ones that start off by explaining the consumer problem and the problem you're looking to solve and if you think of your pitch deck as a maybe a two-part story number one explain the problem and how you solve it and then part two explain what the market is the 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 competition the traction the team and the investment ask that if if you can't coherently explain the consumer problem you're solving then you have to keep looping because you don't yet have something that consumers want and you oughtn't to start building it until you've worked that out. So to that extent, spending time on the pitch deck, I think is a valuable exercise, not on the colors, but on the proposition.
0: Let, let's just drill exactly into what, what you've just said, because it comes up again. And I'd really value your your answer. You kind of just gave one. So what comes up again and again, and again in the space is that you have to square the circle. So you've you're invariably talking about, you know, in a, in a pre-CC space, certainly pre-C, pre-product, as you as you were talking about sort of like when you you know that when you go to someone's website, right? Um, that you're talking about pre-product and therefore pre-metrics of any kind of reasonable NPS score, or customer lifetime value, or CAC. You know, you just can't you don't you can't communicate what you're doing through those um, acronyms, those lenses that are behind those acronyms. So, how do you communicate and gain trust and create a point of evaluate credible evaluation? Between the founder and the investor, and one of the, the one of the one of the big insights that came up with Gian uh, Sierra was he said actually what you need to understand, which I had not understood until he explained it to me, was like when investors say no, you're too early because this obviously comes up again and again. You're too you're too early. It's past, um, and because you haven't got product market fit, what they're actually saying, although they don't say this, is that. Um, we want to give you money so within two years you might achieve product market fit but we're not going to tell you that because it's if we pass on you it means we're actually saying we don't believe on you as a founder that can get there and on a human level it's very hard to tell someone who's very passionate about something that they are we don't believe in you so we'd rather tell you that your product doesn't work i would really like to know there's been various solutions to how you kind of square that circle like when you're pre-products pre-revenue. Um, I'd, I'd love to kind of get your answer. And if I can kind of lead you as well, like, and how, the innovation around seed fast helps break that kind of feedback loop and makes it much more fluid and makes the risk calculations different so if you, could, if you could give me your answer to that and then end up at seed fast if that is where it ends up that would be awesome
1: okay so my starting point is you know what you want to do is you want to sell your idea proposition to an investor so that they see that they're going to get an outcome so there are two parts to that that problem one of them is what outcome do they want and number two what risk are they going to take and 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 that's related to the size of their investment so let's start with the what type of investor are you and actually i wrote a fun article on you know decoding investor feedback and what type of investor are you because firstly there is no one type of investor and i learned this when i was in the audience and on the panel were two investors and somebody said how decide which uh, company to invest in and the first one uh, which is Hussein Kanji from uh, Hoxton was saying and and I I, it was a while back so I'll apologize if I paraphrased him incorrectly that he was basically entirely mathematical you know so send me your your spreadsheets send me your CAC your LTV I'll analyze the market size I'll look at the 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 month-on-month growth I'll look at the unit economics I'll work out the net present value and the future value and from that I'll figure out a valuation and decide whether to invest or not and the other person on the panel is Harry Briggs from BGF who said well you know if I like the founder and I like the idea and the valuations not insane I'm in and at that point i realized there is no one type of investor and so what you want to do you can only really have one pitch deck because there's just not enough hours in the day to make different pitch decks and you'll confuse people if different people got different pitch decks but your pitch deck should be like the the the, the, the framework the skeleton on which you build a pitch that's honed for that investor so what type of investors uh, are you To go the BuzzFeed approach um, and make it the quiz, I would say, just as a complete caricature, you might go, number one is the spreadsheet guru, exactly like uh, the, the, the person I just mentioned, which is it's all about return on investment and numbers. The second one is I want to hang out with the cool kids. So there's a high net worth. They can invest 10K. Um, you know, they want to be, feel part of something big. I was the first into Revolut. yeah, whatever. So there you want to excite them that there's some fun mission and, and that they're going to be part of it. Number three is I want to save the planet. So here's somebody investing in impact, uh, climate. Maybe they're less interested in return on investment. Maybe they know that your ocean plastics re- removal will never make money. Um, and actually that's of no interest to them because it's for the greater good. Number four is give me my SEIS. Uh, what do you do again? Did you offer SEIS? I'm in. So, you know, and and of course there are other variants as well. And the one to be careful of is the uh, the wannabe founder. So this is the, uh, usually invest uh, the investor who's got a day job as, you know, in a large company, they'd really like to be a founder. And now they've found you and it's, can I get a seat on the board? I'd love to give you advice. In fact, I insist on giving you advice. I've got so much advice to give you. And at some point it moves from, you know, thanks for the advice to, I didn't need another mother, please go away. And uh, so anyway, once you've figured out what your investor persona is, you can now tailor your pitch to that investor. So you want to work out very early in the conversation, to either you'll just have done your research and understand what drives them, or you might ask them, you know, in in our discussion, you know, when when making an investment, what are the key drivers for you? Is it return? Is it uh, impact? Is it, uh, you know, being part of the company and being able to help? And then you can tweak it accordingly. So the next thing is now really it's at the end of a conversation an investor is going to go you know i mean not literally at the end of the conversation maybe a few but the investor is going to go i'm in or not and how they're going to decide and that's going to be a mixture of head and heart but ultimately the investor has no idea whether your product or your company is going to be a success or not So all they can go on are the small bits of signal in the vast sea of noise. And your goal is to produce as much signal that has them wanting to be part of it. And it goes like this, Uh, starting backwards. If you have revenue that's growing nicely year on year, then investors will will invest large amounts based simply on your graph and almost not care what you're doing, um, and that's called a Series A investment to grow, grow to get growth. And you go, that's awesome. I'm, unfortunately, I'm not there yet. I don't have revenue. Great. Going a step back, do you have customers and customer traction? Uh, and if so, you'll have investors investing uh, to get product market fit and turn that traction into revenue. And that might be a seed round. And you go, that's awesome. I'm also not there yet. Okay, great. Let's take a step back. Have you built uh, a product that you can now demonstrate you've built it you've managed to build a team you've built the tech you've got product market fit and you know now need money to launch and get beyond and if so you'll have investors uh, investing smaller amounts typically an angel round raising a few hundred thousand pounds um for for investors you know pre-launch or post-launch to uh, based on the deck that they're seeing, and the fact that you've built something in the team and the the vision to invest smaller amounts, and you go, well, that's for awesome, but I'm not even there yet. <laughs> so I've just got a PowerPoint slide deck, and now I need to entice people. And there you're going to get friends and family, angel investors, raising fifty thousand or maybe a hundred thousand or maybe more. On the idea and here they're going to tease out the only signal they have they don't have traction or revenue the only signal they have is the founders how they are presenting it how they clearly showing they solving a consumer problem and uh and and the the path to get there and their their projections which are either going to be seen as sane or unambitious or suitably ambitious so to get to back again to the pitch deck, if it was super early stage, you want to tease out as much signal in that pitch deck to attract your uh, particular investor that's sitting across the table or across the Zoom link from you to want to invest and give them the data points. And if I can add one more thing, which is, it's actually not only what's in your slide deck because uh investors are looking like anyone i mean if if you were putting yourself in the investor's shoes firstly you uh, you know might be completely new to this game you have no idea what uh an investment is or what you're looking for or you know what the valuation is so you're going to start doing your own homework you're going to look for articles that the company's written and you're going to look to see even if they don't have users? Do they have any presence? Are they filling your LinkedIn profile? Are other people talking about them? So thing one I did at C-Legals is begin writing content. And and that's actually turned into a whole content marketing strategy. It also happens to be a passion point for me because I realized that just creating the legal documents for companies wasn't solving a real problem. The real problem is educating founders what percent equity should i sell in around what valuation how much should i raise what's the right pitch deck which investors should i talk to where do i find investors Um, how do i hire people how much should i pay them so once you can solve those and if you uh, for your company can write tons of content so that investors keep seeing you in their linkedin feeds when they do a google search instead of seeing nothing they see 10 articles uh, that, that, that link to you either from your own website or even better from others suddenly you're everywhere and that is probably the only data point that you have short of you know customers and revenue and so i'm amazed that founders don't get out there and create uh, articles i mean it takes time but it's free and that's often the thing you have in your favor you don't have money but you've got time when you're starting uh, so get out there and create content uh, you know and i came across a, a company on seedlegals i love buying from our seedlegals customers so whenever i see something with it that's edible i'll almost always go check out their website when i see a slack integration that they've bought something and so there's a green tea company i love green tea so I went to the site and they had beautiful pictures of tea. And I was expecting they would have like a dozen articles on, you know, how tea is picked by, uh, you know, maidens in, in uh, Mount Kilimanjaro or something at midnight or something like that. And the t- perfect temperature for the water and the difference in fermentation. Maidens and all- in the
0: mountains.
1: <laughs> you, know, you haven't seen my tea dealer. Oh, no, I know, I can imagine <laughs> now. He, I think he charges more for his tea than <laughs> that would make a drug dealer. Yeah, I bet, I bet, uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, we, we digress. But I was expecting all sorts of uh, content that would show that the founders were passionate, um, that I would trust them, that they were thought leaders. And I was quite surprised that they didn't have that and i took it as a negative anyway so thing one is go out there and create lots of content which sets you up as a thought leader is great seo and will have investors see that you're all over the map and appealing to customers
0: so so Fascinating. One, 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 one. I'll just give you another term for what you've described. It's been called a couple of things. It's come up a couple of times, which about signals. So another term was called subsurface cues. Exactly the same thing. Exactly. And 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 people have been talking about you know exactly as you have how founders have agency around these things. They can actually control a lot of things in these in these signals and in this space, but they rush. They rush to kind of like, well, for bigger things, bigger, brighter things that are actually outside of their control. But certainly in the early stage space, these signals keep coming up, called different things, but the same thing. What I'd like to do is just kind of, let's, let's stay in that space with those, those signals. Talk to me that's kind of almost like case study, aren't um, you meeting an investor that wants to back those signals? Talk to me why doing that through a seed fast is different from how it was traditionally done, where it might take months and come unstuck around things like valuation. Talk to me how particularly this addresses like fluidity, agility, closing deal flow, because I think it's, it's, it's a fundamental innovation that you brought about with that product in the UK that, that helps that helps with those kind of signal-based investments
1: you know funding rounds typically went as follows it's very expensive and slow to do the legals for a funding round and you have to line up all these investors uh to go on the bus together and you have to get to an agreed valuation and you usually find a lead investor so it might take three months to find investors and then three months to close the round, and then you raise a big chunk of money but of course you have to do it all over again because the money's going to run out so uh, but to raise the next round you need to show traction something's different each funding round is typically three to five times the last uh, round at three to five times the valuation so you need time to now build something to get traction to move to the next level and that's going to take at least six months and you can't risk trading insolven, so you need three to six months money at least in the bank ideally more beyond that so uh, that's like an 18 month cycle so you find these big 18 month go big or go home cycles that are immensely stressful. I've been there and done that. You raise lots of money uh, if, if if you're lucky and then you have all this money in the bank and then month on month it goes down and things take longer to build and even you've built it, you don't have revenue and maybe you've got a subscription model so it's a while till revenue picks up. And so now you've got this problem that, uh, you know, it's gone from triumph of having money in the bank to, oh my God, we're gonna be out of money. So there are several problems with this approach. One, why do you need a million pounds today? You didn't actually need a million pounds today, you needed 50,000 pounds today to get the web developer, iOS developer, whatever it is to go and build something. Number two, why are you giving away so much equity uh, at today's valuation when in fact it's going to last for a year and a half and and it, within some months your valuation hopefully will be higher so you're giving away value today for money that you didn't really need till later number three why do you have to have all these investors lined up when literally you probably have someone calling you tomorrow to go can i have can i give you some money and the third problem the fourth problem which is often the most intractable one initially is how do you agree evaluation so what is evaluation evaluation is basically a number that you and the investors agree and uh, if you have revenue if you're doing a million pounds a year in revenue and uh, depending on your rate of growth and you're talking to a series a VC they would likely value your company at somewhere between you know at least prior to the current downturn between maybe 7 and 15 x annual revenue so maybe a 10 mil valuation these days those numbers are a bit further down but if you go here's my powerpoint and mm-hmm. i've built some code and i've got some uh, nice designs and an mvp is that worth 12 pounds or is that worth 500,000 pounds how do you decide um, and when you do a funding round, you have to agree a valuation because you're giving the investors a certain amount of equity. So that was the world that I uh, came to with seed legals. And my first thought was, I didn't know any other world. Let's just build a more efficient way for founders and investors to complete that task. But then I found uh, two things. Founders were calling us going, I'm looking to raise, you know, 500,000 pounds, but I've got someone wanting to invest 20,000. I met in an event. What should I do? I can tell them to come back in December, but yeah, I need the money today. And the second scenario was people said, I'm looking to raise 500,000 pounds, but I've got 300,000 lined up. Should I do a smaller funding round and raise less or should I keep waiting? But I really need the money today. And if I wait too long, the investors are going to disappear and go somewhere else. And it's the end of tax year and they want their the their EIS and so on. So what to do there? And I was disappointed not to have a proper solution for them and so we didn't invent but we productized two things number one we, we took an advanced subscription agreement which was pretty much unknown in the UK other than by a few funds and and turned that our brand name is a seed fast, and productized it and Seedfast have become insanely popular um, and the second piece is we've taken uh, funding rounds and we've in one click now the default is to make a rolling close round so instead of going i have to do a funding round and then i need to do another funding round you can say i'd like to do a funding round with the built-in permissions to top up and here we've gamified it to protect the founders and the investors to say you can top up without any other permissions needed up to a certain extra amount of money by a certain date at the same or higher price per share so the investors are protected against down round you have to get approvals if you want to and then we put these two together the seat fast up front and the instant investment rolling close afterwards and we call that agile uh, fundraising and we really turned it into a thing and for me it's been a personal mission to change the way companies fundraise because I've been there and done that on the stressful way in the past and uh, and actually it's been transformative I'm proud to say for UK startups we on seed legals is now more money raised outside of a funding round than in a funding round and if I look at our dilution curves it's you know literally transformed the way uh, founders in the UK are able to raise investment And then, just to go back to the commodity of it all and the utility of it all, What I I like and also slightly scares me, I should say, is when I meet people at events and uh, people come by, Anthony, love seed legals, seed fasts are awesome. I just found somebody and I sent them a seed fast. And people, uh, you know, it's it's tremendously uh, exhilarating that all the work you've put into the legals and the gamification of it, when I say gamification, I mean in creating the rules that protect both parties and the looking ahead for if things work out or not. None of these are of any importance to people. They go, there's a place I can push some buttons, send something to the investor. They send me money. I I can offer them SEIS. And all of this work has been tu- turned into or thought about as I, I just push this button. And, and then it's a bit like, you know, your uh, sat nav, you go, I want to go to, x and all the work behind it you just don't care about them so you know take the next left onto high street and continue so uh and it's quite fun when when people uh use uh, what you've built in this uh, simplistic uh, but beneficial way
0: well you're living your own logic you started the conversation saying you know mature business solutions when you have a button and you've you've turned you know this whole process that you know that you've clearly outlined into a button which I think is is the, it, that is the embodiment of what we're trying to achieve with foundertech where there are you know where there is the button there we have twenty buttons that all provide valuable functions that's that's basically the future, and all of those things do different things that make it easier but um i'm 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 aware of our time so uh, i I'm really pleased to kind of cover that terrain um I think it's so fundamental. I hadn't thought of it like what we need is 20 buttons, but you know, all doing different things. But that is essentially it. We need 20 buttons and we need founders to do exactly as you just described. Pushing those buttons and it makes something happen. And what I what I love about that is a wrap-up is it does two things. Is it elevates the actual conversation that you want to have between a really quality founders and investors, they can actually talk about the stuff that matters because the rest is out of the way. And also uh, I don't really talk about impact investing, but what it does is it, is it kind of brings that with it because it means that ideally, if you have those buttons that are working, the right founder is getting the right, is is able to attract and align and, and mutually evaluate the right investor wherever they are. It's just the, the right person fixing the right problem at the right time. And I think that can't be anything but good. It will, it will increase the good faith actors, all of that, you know, all the good people. There are loads of great people just sort of not having the buttons. So thank you. Thank you for sort of giving us that image. We hadn't had that, that hadn't come up before. Um, just before we close, um, is there anything you wanted to say about seeding, A shout out, and, and then if we can have your APIs, two or three things that are on your radar, people, books, ideas. That would be a great way to close.
1: All right. Well, thank you. So, uh, actually, before I do the seed legals plug, there's one uh, interesting thing that that just comes to mind, which is, you know, when you st- when you look at uh, when you start your business you don't think about the ethics and responsibilities because you've just got a simple problem to solve. Can I make this document automation work? Can I make my frozen food thing actually you know, last? Or can I make my AI thing actually generate an answer? But if you are successful, and you get to scale, then one day you wake up and you see that you have a social responsibility. And so, for example, in our very small and not to big up anything uh, case, you know, when we started see Legals, it's like, can I make this document render? And then can I create a seed fast? But then you realize when thousands of companies are building their businesses based on the tools you've created, how uh, you suddenly wake up and you realize what if people are, you know, doing things that are the disadvantages to the investors are investors wasting their money and and so you know when you look at uh, big platforms the, the problems that beset big platforms twitter facebook and so on are you know moral and ethical ones should we ban this person or and the, the technical ones are, are of course important you have to keep going your product but you wake up a day one day with a slightly different problem space and so i'm mentioning this because for any founder you, it's a it's a an interesting problem because you're probably a technical founder and you have no interest in getting involved in ethical debates but on the flip side uh, getting to that stage means you have had a profound influence at least in the narrow space you're in and so it, it indicates uh, that, that the vision is being realized anyway as a complete diversion so now back to C legals which is you know it's it's a one-stop platform uh, for founder tech for anything funding share options cap table contracts so to put it into problems and solutions looking to raise investment you find the investors although hopefully we'll get to that in due course get on seed legals and we've got the way to turn that interest into uh funding in the bank you know looking to incentivize your team with share options we've got the solution there um and need to hire people get an MDA, a contract you can just hop on the platform and and do all of that so hopefully um, it's a big part of your founder stack that you will need to just take a huge amount of friction out of your business, and I, I mean, uh, obviously we build our own business on seed legals, and we, you know, hire lots of people, and I'm amazed that anyone can run a business without using a platform like ours it takes the the, the time to hire somebody uh, at least do all the the legals is about literally two minutes and i get a browser notification when they've signed there's zero chance i have put the wrong person's name or salary in uh, and then like every day i will go to my Team section on the platform, and I can see who my upcoming starters are. Who do I need to get computers for? Who do I need to set up, you know, Gmail accounts for? So it, it, it's not just paperwork; it's it's a platform. All right. So uh, end hash uh, end plug. Uh, so now, <laughs> now 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 the APIs there. You've got me. I, I have to admit, I don't know if my my wife is a hugely avid reader thinks it's a total fail on my side that I don't read books. Uh, um, uh, There's just not time in the day. The the one that I really go by is the mom test, which will take you like an hour to read. And the mom test is essential when starting any new idea. And it's called the mom test because you go to your mother and you go, is this a good idea? And your mother goes, I've no idea what you're talking about, but my son is such a clever boy. Of course, it's a good idea. So the mom test is all about validating your idea by asking the right people the right questions instead of asking your friends and mother, isn't this an awesome idea? And then they tell you yes, and then you spend the next three years of your life building it. And then turns out that actually it was a vanity idea. No one really wanted it. Um I I think the other one, which is completely left field from, you know, you know, the, the usual Marty Kagan or Agile or Lean Startup uh, you know, books that people mention. I think uh, key to me is in my childhood. Uh, I read Bertrand Russell's uh, uh, History of Western Philosophy, which is uh, uh, quite a mammoth book. Uh, I was at school and completely bored and, and read it. But what it really impressed on me is s- sort of the social contract. And actually, I still very much uh, think of that with all things, you know, seed legals. And and uh, you know, part of a uh, key part of that is um in the absence of something that is clearly right or wrong you should behave in a way that if all people behave that way then the earth would be in a better uh, place or humanity would be it would be a greater good and i think that even though it sounds you know offbeat and philosophical when you start creating contracts that protect both parties or set a future vision um you know that underlying peace uh you know which could possibly be re-read as don't screw anybody um and play nice with everybody becomes uh quite central and also in you know any ethical decisions you need to make so so those are the uh, the, the 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 small one on the mom test yeah. the giant one on Bertrand Russell so there you go well
0: Bertrand Russell has definitely not come up um we'll also put in Mike Butcher's um, PR oh, article yes. and, and and if you want to include an address where people can send you tea I'm sure you'll be inundated with the uh, glorious green tea Anthony but we can, we <laughs> that, can that, that, <laughs> that, that, that's very
1: kind yeah <laughs> but if you do have but if you don't have any questions hit me up on LinkedIn yeah. or you know Anthony at seedlegals.com we'll
0: so th- thank you very very much um, that, that was fascinating um and uh, yeah let, let, keep up the buttons let's let let's get some more <laughs> let's let's make things behave like that Because then get you know get out of the way and get all, so the good stuff just happens um but th- thank you so much uh, as I said I think you are pioneers in the foundertech space um historically and today so thank you Anthony
1: thank you and thanks for inviting me and that was a lot of fun